you're not going to get themes and patterns that are going to help you in marketing because you might just get biased by one side and then you start spending money on all sorts of marketing activities that make no sense for closing deals. Welcome to Marketers Talking Marketing. Today, we're joined by Ryan Gibson. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I've been... Thanks for having me first. I should say that. A thank you would be nice. It's thank you for manners. joining us. Too. Yeah, manners. My background. So I've been... I'm a B2B marketer. I've been in B2B 20 years. I started off actually sort of in sales, operations, and business development. And I did that for you know a good six, seven years. I took a bit of a hiatus, um, went back um, to school, took broadcasting, became a reporter for three years, TV and radio. Oh. Yeah. Um, which is sort of really helps solidify the work that I do now, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. And I, after that three years, it was a f- super fun job, but it was like not my calling. Yeah, so, it was like five a.m., like two a.m. calls to be on. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was a morning reporter, so I was up oh at four thirty a.m. You know, scouring the streets for a story, uh, and it was great, and it it gave me a lot of amazing skills. But I went back to the business world. Um, ran marketing for a few places and then about four years ago, broke it on my own. And now in the last two years, my, I've really focused in on through my company called content lift. We do uh, customer research interviews for B2B marketing and sales teams. Cause for me, it's like just the foundation of how you make everything starts with that. And if you don't have really good market or customer or buyer intelligence, it's all going to fall apart down the line. I don't oh, yeah. care how good you think you are. So that's sort of why I do it. And it's just like, my, it's always been my favorite part of marketing. So it's, yeah. that's, that's sort of the skinny on me. I'm sure uh, myself included and listeners are having flashbacks to when product or engineering comes and says, hey, we got this really great product we built, go sell it. It's like, well, hold <laughs> on. Like, yeah. Who are you building for? Because, you know, product market fit is like the thing we all strive for. And it's really, really hard to find product market fit when you don't build a product for anyone specifically or build a sales motion for anyone specifically. So it definitely feels like the it should be the foundation to a good marketing program. But I know for a lot of people, they skip past it and think, hey, I know my customer. I know what they want. I am my customer. So let me go build for myself and others will follow. Yeah. And that that works in the beginning. It's actually... That's how most businesses get found is someone in, with subject matter expertise or they have like domain discipline. So like most, let's take SaaS, most software companies are technically founded. Like they're funded by a technical um, discipline. And they see a thing and an opportunity and like, oh, I can make this better. Maybe I can spin it out and make money. And that's how most businesses typically start. The challenge is then when you start to grow beyond those initial early customers you get or those few beta testers, there's just more intricacies in a market and how buyers evaluate solutions and how you can like build a go-to-market and sales strategy around that. So there's you, it starts to sort of get away from you after the founder sort of start, lets go of the reins. I can 100% see that. So where do you typically come in to work with clients? Is it after they have their product and they're trying to get a better fit for it? Is it earlier stage? Um, it's, yeah, around there, right? I Just for people who might not be familiar with the research, like there's tons of different types of research you can do. You know, there's UX, UI, 
there is um, win loss analysis, there's, you know, churn analysis, whatever, right? Like I do what's called buyer research more predominantly. So I focus more on the acquisition side of things from when they people first identify a problem in a business to sales gets the check or credit card gets put into whatever you're using, right? And you get locked in. So I sort of play in that that space there. But for, for me, yeah, specifically, I will work with companies that have some, you know, they're making some money, they have some customers, right? And now they just sort of need to build it out or they've built something, they have a bit of customers, but it's not, it's not working, right? Maybe they, they think they have something wrong about who they're, how it's positioned, who they're supposed to go after. Because that happens too. I've run projects like that where they've actually had a hypothesis around the ideal customer, but they've been wrong. So, yeah, that's typically the space where I work. So if you have, if a marketer is listening to this and they're saying, oh man, you know, maybe I need to validate my assumptions on my ICP or mm-hmm. go beyond our, our founder and, you know, our engineering team as who are, who are main audiences and, and really explore that and do a little more research. Where do they start? Are there any easy spots or tools to begin with? Yeah, this is how I would do it, right? Because that's actually one of the questions I get the most. And one of the, because one of the reasons marketers don't often do this type of work. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. But when they do get access to customers or buyers, I often start to, I, there's three things that I, I always try to help, try, tell them to keep in mind. So one, what is it you want to know? Like, what is the objective of the conversation? What is it that you, 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 the information and intelligence that you need to be successful, you do not have, right? Or you think you need. Who is the type of person that you're going to talk to and what type of business? Because that's really where marketing starts to shine because it's all about marketing is long form from market, right? What's the market? So we're trying to find a sample size of, of identical buyers with similar firmographics and psychographics that share commonalities and pains so we can market to them en masse. So if I, if I speak to, let's just say, you know, um, a software developer or a CTO in a SaaS company and they have a development team of like 100 people. But then I speak to a CTO at a hospital, right? And they have like maybe five devs. Those worlds can be dramatically different, right? Now they might share some pains and maybe the solution can help. But from a, a research perspective, you're not going to get themes and patterns that are going to help you in marketing because you might just get biased by one side and then you start spending money on all sorts of marketing activities that make no sense for closing deals. So I feel like the, the, the person in the business. So those are, that's sort of like how you get started, right? And to your question, let me know if I didn't answer it right. But that's, that's, that's how I for a get people going is you get to figure out like what you want to talk about, who you want to talk about it with. Uh, and getting access to customers seems to be a challenge for a lot of people to yeah. where maybe it sales is. is really precious with a relationship. They sure are. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a way through that. Bribe your sales reps, give them cookies and <laughs> try. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I can speak to that. Like that's that's been my lived experience, right? And still is. There's a lot of reasons marketers don't get to talk to customers. That's one of them. So sales acts as sort of like a gatekeeper. To that, how I often get around that, or I 
I phrase it or I help people phrase it is they're just always worried about their accounts and the status of deals because that's how they pay. That's how they make money, right? Pay their bills. So I understand I have empathy for that anxiety because that's, it's really anxiety that's driving that apprehension. So I will say, phrase it as such. Let's pick five of your best accounts. Would you want 20 more of them? Most often it's yes. Well, if I can't figure out what's happening in their business model before they get to you that you and you're closing that deal, then I won't be able to bring these 20 people to you or the, the chances of me doing that are dramatically low. So I need to sort of understand how they're thinking so then we can get in front of them and influence their decision process to gravitate towards you to get into a demo or a sales conversation. That tends to sort of perk people's ears up a little bit. And then you throw them cookies, like you said, yeah. on top of that. <laughs> so there's that. Other, um, and then for executives, which are often the other one, since I've sat on leadership teams, I sort of understand how budgeting works, You know how we divvy up capital among different parts of the organization. So I always say to executives, how do you know you're not wasting money on your marketing? That's the key one. And as soon as you say that, they're like, we we don't know. Yeah. That's like Uh, the golden question for so many companies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And if you, and that's what executives care about capital efficiency, you know, because I think what oftentimes as marketers, we, we forget that the money you get for your budgets comes from a pot that other teams are trying to vie for. Everyone else wants more money. So why do you, get the money you get out of the only pot, the one pot of money that exists for the entire organization. So you have to be able to make that business case so that you either deserve what you're getting or you should get more. So research helps build that business case. And that's executives really tune into that. So that's, those are some of the reasons people don't get it. I, I, did, I sort of haven't answered your question that though, Jess, which is like, how do you get them? So working with your sales counterparts for sure. You can go into your CRM yourself. I tell marketers that do that, especially if you are like a product-led company, you might have thousands and thousands of customers and they might never even talk to someone in your organization, right? So them getting a message from you might be of interest to them. Like, yeah, I'd love to talk about this product because how you frame it is, we're doing research. We're trying to make it better for you. We're trying to understand it for you. Product people do this sort of thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And often people want to give their opinions on the product they're using that is being very impactful in their work environment. And then if you, you're struggling there, there's lots of third-party tools. Um, I use a few of them. One's called user interviews. And they create the aggregate populations of people in different disciplines, skill sets, companies, problems, whatever, whatever. And you can go and type your parameters into the machine. It spits back a list of people you can talk to and you just have to pay anywhere from 75 to $200 an interview to talk to these people for an hour. And they're in market, they buy in your category, they know about solutions like yours. And it's actually a really fascinating way to see how far you are from other solutions in the market and how people look at them. So those are some of the ways you can find people. I feel like that would be interesting too, because you're not using a tool like user interviews. You're not just getting your customer base with people who you'd want to be selling into that may 
not give you the same level of data if they were in a buying cycle. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, yeah, it's that's very di- interesting. It, it's very different too because they, we get, when we're inside a company, we think everything we do is awesome because our customers tell us we're awesome. Yeah, they love us. Yeah, and that's great. But what if there's things you're missing as a product within a category that you should be doing, but you have you you don't have any line of sight into it? Buyers and market can tell you those things, right? Like you can glean where how off you are by like going to reviews, going to the communities, seeing what tools people are talking about, what they're using, and why. But if you actually speak to these people one on one, you know, at length about you know your type of tool and why they may or may not buy something like that, it is very eye opening. Uh, as a marketer, one of my my favorite ways to try and get anything with buy in internally is to tie it back to customer stories too. Of you know, customers tell us they care about being able to X, Y, and Z or. Customers, you know, customers care about this. The industry tells us they care about this. We hear from prospects in cycle that they love our webinars, so we need more webinars. Said no marketer ever, probably. I think that's usually product marketing. (laughs) It's like (laughs) they love our product demos, more product demos and everything. But yeah, it's always good, good intel to bring in to help build your program and really build how you present it internally, too. Yeah, absolutely. You made a comment earlier, pre-show, when we were doing a little chit-chatting, about uh, every marketer should know how to do their own research. I think so. So how, if you have like, we have a lot of newer marketers, newer into their career marketers listening. So we talked a little bit how you can get started. Are there additional tools like user research that can help someone who maybe doesn't have a big client base yet, doesn't have access to a lot of clients yet, and is trying to just, you know, get the ball rolling on some data for themselves? I got this question the other day, you know, how do you get, so you sort of asked earlier, how do you just get started really basic? I think this is just my career. I know what your experience has been, but it's always been very natural for me to work across an organization and talk to all the stakeholders. Yep, Same. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think every marketer thinks that way. Probably they for a lot of not. reasons. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Like I, yeah. I understand, like there's probably a lot of reasons why they think that way. Yeah, it's there's just always been orgs that I think create like big T trauma in people earlier in their <laughs> career too. If you're in Possibly, one where, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot of orgs where sales and marketing aren't friendly and a lot yeah. of people come up in those worlds where like, if you don't spend out your budget completely, another department's taking it and you're never going to get it back and you yeah. go into every meeting. And so there's definitely a lot of marketers, I think, who it's still, it's not second nature to mm-hmm. have allies across the organization, be able to work efficiently across the yeah. organization with that. So this is how I would tackle because this is how I've always done it, right? If I'm new into a company, first thing I want to do is just really speak to the different parts of the organization about, first, I want to understand like why we exist in the first place. Like, why is this business even here? Right, which sounds like such a silly question, but it, it's a it's a vital one. Like, what do we do and why? And then I my as a marketer, my first step has always been sales. When I've run marketing teams, every day I'd be speaking to the director of sales or my sales counterpart every day. How's it going? How's the pipeline? What are you hearing? Well, you know what's going on and. When I started, when I'd start an organization, I'd have them say, walk me through an average deal. How does it work? 
How do they come in? What are they talking about? What are the objections? Like that sort of thing. That's the beginning of research of like that buying journey. It's a very, it's still limited view because sales only sees like the tip of the iceberg of why someone buys, but it's a start, right? And that's to your question, that's the easiest access you have in that immediate time frame is talking to salespeople. I used to go into the, like the sales floor and just like I throw ideas at the sales team. Hey, I'm thinking of this. What do you think? And they'd be like, uh, like, oh, that's interesting. This is why I think it's interesting because I heard this last week. Yeah. So that's a very easy place to start. Customer success, right? Because they will tell you about like what it's like after the fact. What is the impact we're having on customers? What is the end result? How do we help them move the needle? Right? Those are the two really quick ways. And then for qualitative research outside of um, the company, my favorite place to go is Reddit. I always okay. say Reddit. Yeah. I always say go to G2 for the reviews, but go to Reddit for the real reviews. Yeah. Um, you know, in communities, because that's where people are honest, very earnest and honest about like what they're talking about. So, you know, I'm a marketer. I'm in a few Slack groups for marketers. People talk about tools all the time or solutions or problems they're having. You can, you can go in there and just see how they're talking about stuff. Cause that is the, that is the moment where you're going to be able to start influencing how they think about solutions to solve the problems that they're encountering. So I, th those are like the three easiest low-hanging fruit stuff because what I do, which is qualitative research, and even if you do quantitative research like surveying and all that stuff, to do a survey well takes a lot of time and thought and effort. So and what I do can take sometimes two or three months, which not everyone has time to do that. If you need insights and intelligence now, those three things, sales, customer success, and then like online communities are like your easiest way to get stuff quickly. Yeah, I I cannot imagine the marketing world without the, I know there's a lot of Slack communities, but there's some really, really great ones. Absolutely. And prior to, you know, as a marketer, I was going to in-person networking events and there'd be one like a month that you go to maybe or two, but online communities have something transformed uh, the ability to talk about some of these tools in what feels like a private environment, mm -hmm. but it's actually like pretty public because you can, like I used to work for vendors and I would be in these Slack groups as myself, as a representative from the vendor, seeing all these conversations about it, where yeah. it, it used to be really hard to get into that. I love Slack groups. Yeah. It's, it's, it changes, it changed everything to your point. It did. It just, the amount of knowledge you have at your fingertips is dramatically increased. Cause when I started in B2B, None of that stuff existed. Like I started, when I started in B2B, we had two email addresses for a company of 25 people. So it was like a sales and marketing. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we still had fax machines. So, and yeah. back then sales, sales people controlled the flow of information and the amount of information you had access to was very limited. It's totally, everything's flipped. Customers, have more access to information than ever before and they control the flow of it based on these things like we just talked about Reddit or online communities, social media, what have you, right? So it's, it's marketers have to understand how all that stuff exists because that's where you start to influence how people build affinity towards what you do. Do you have 
uh, favorite Slack communities that you're in? Do you have ones you recommend people join, marketers join? I just joined the product marketing, as I always say, is alliance or association? Pro- I think product marketing alliance. That one's awesome. Um, I have no affiliation to them, but I just joined it. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of people in it. But it, for marketers that really want to get move the needle in their career and just how they approach product marketing is is really I think the place to be. And it's funny, like if I may, I just I sort of dated myself a few minutes ago. So when I started in B two B, I started in B two B, but it was B two B for consumer goods. And in the B two C world, research has always been a pillar of that, right? Like it's just, it's a massive, massive thing. And it doesn't necessarily, not that hasn't been the case in B2B. But when I was in that earlier role, everything I would have done would be considered what product marketing does now, which is like, how do you position the thing? What's the price? How do you go to market? How do we wedge in? Who's the competition? How do we position against them? How do we launch like all that stuff? So when I came back to B2B after being a reporter and no one in SaaS and other stuff were talking that way, they just talked about what is our webpage going to look like? I'm like, okay, that's part of it. But how are we positioning the company? And they're like, no, no, we don't do that. And I was like, what? Am I the crazy one? Like what's going on? But then I think that's just because there was internet. The internet was seen as a channel back mm-hmm. in like 2010, 2011. Now it's the default way yeah. of how we do business in or across our economies. So it's just that product marketing discipline now is closer to what I used to do 20 years ago, where you're, dri- you're a core driver of the business. So that's why I like the Product Marketing Alliance Slack group, because I'm just seeing all these really deep, interesting questions about the nature of how you grow a business. Product marketing is the, I think I've three or four interviews with product marketers so far. And I've said it every time with them. And one of them was like, that's weird. But I think product marketing is like the hottest, fastest growing function in marketing. And also somehow the hardest to get into. I've never met like a market product marketing coordinator, like a junior level product marketer. So Mm -hmm. it feels like it's becoming this like really, really specialized function of either very technical people who also get marketing Mm-hmm. Or marketers who really deeply get user experience and get product, uh, but it's like it's like this. Me- it is the Venn diagram overlap. <laughs> of, I think so. Like all the technical stuff in marketing, and it's an exciting spot to be in. I think it's going to keep growing as a, a more dominant marketing function, and eventually, like we'll have companies where they're not thinking about do I bring in brand or demand gen as that first hire. They're thinking do I bring in product marketing first, and mm-hmm. then layer on brand and demand gen later. Where yeah. a long time has been, you know, brand and demand as like the two functions. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I think, I think it just sort of, I always look at these things as like the responsibilities are sort of agnostic of the person. They just, those things have to, certain things have to get done by a business and who owns them can be different regardless of what the business looks like. So in some companies, what a product marketer might own might actually be a product person in another business model. Right. Like it's, uh, um, but I totally agree with you. Right. Like it's, I look at that, what they care about as the foundations of how a marketing strategy 
is either successful or not. So, and, and sometimes that work's done by a founder in an early stage company. As a company grows, sometimes it is done by um, the VP or CMO. And then as it grows further, it splits out and then grows further. You get product marketers in different verticals, product marketers for different products, product marketers for like it. As a company grows, things just expand and fracture and people own you know, more specific pieces of the pie rather than a generous level. But I, I, I agree with your, your comment, obviously, which is yeah. like, it's, it's such a key part of the process. One of the best product marketers I ever worked with changed how I uh, structured and thought about my demand gen programs too. Mm. And so I think I probably mm-hmm. also have just an affinity for product marketing because working with them made me a better demand gen marketer. Yeah, that's uh, cool. in the function I was in. But well, we're getting to time. Uh, the big wrap question is, okay. do you have a favorite piece of tech? What's in your What's in your tech stack? <laughs> and what's your favorite part of it? Or your least favorite? Some people have chosen to, to completely shit on things. But <laughs> is everyone crap on Salesforce? Is that like one of the common no, ones? Oh. That hasn't come up yet. <laughs> oh. I feel like everyone hates Salesforce, but everyone uses it. I always find I look at it. I look at Salesforce. There's this old, like really old school thing th- saying in B2B, like no one gets fired for hiring IBM. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Old, old one. I yeah. sort of say now no one gets fired for hiring Salesforce. Yeah. I, it's funny. I'm like the worst person to ask that question because I'm so like anti-tech stack. I'm very much like start with pen and paper yeah. and spreadsheets and then build from there. That said, my favorite tech i'm trying to think like what i'm in i'm in notion now i love notion oh yeah have you been trying notion ai there i haven't no no i know it exists yeah i do use chat gpt actually in a lot of and some of what i do um i'm not one of those people i'm not a naysayer but i also don't think it's like a panacea i think it's i'm one of those people like it's a good tool to help progression so like for a marketer say i want to push out one piece of content and to redistribute it five different ways, but I want it to be different. Well, I can use chat GBT to do that. Right. Um, but no, I haven't used notion AI. I just like notion because um, I, I actually only started using like that wiki style of software. Like I was using confluence with a client that I worked with about two years ago and I never used confluence. And I was like, this is good. Cause people might Maybe people can appreciate this, but I've always struggled with Google Drive, which is now almost like a default for an all, a businesses because yeah. there's just documents everywhere and it's, it's, it's hard to find stuff. It's not well organized. So when I found used Confluence, which is usually used in the software development spaces, Atlassian owns them, you know, it's all organized like a Wikipedia page. I was like, this is great. So I was like, how do you use this for my business? And, and then as I saw Notion more and more, here's a really good example of a buying journey, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd see Notion come up more and more in like the solopreneur community, other freelancers talking about them, how people are using them, people building templates for them. I got in once. I was like, mm, this is okay. I'm not there yet. And then finally, as I was doing some, as I was doing more and more research projects with clients, we were struggling to jump around Google Drive with all the various stuff I had in there. And I'm like, I'm done. I need something to centralize all the information that I can share with a client instantly. And I was like, Notion. There you go. 
I went awesome. by Notion. So that's, there you go. There's a real life example of yeah. how research helps you in a buying journey. Notion, if you're yeah. listening to this, you can come DM me and I'll. Yeah. I'll, get some, get some free notions. Notions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that's like my favorite piece of tech, I would say. It's because I use it to run everything in my business now. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll drop links to everything mentioned in the show notes below. And we'll see everyone on the next episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jess. It was great to be here. And that's a wrap on today's episode of Marketers Talking Marketing. If you enjoyed our content and want to stay up to date with the latest marketing strategies and insights, subscribe to our YouTube channel below. Click on the bell notification so you never miss a single episode. We encourage you to like and share this video if you found it helpful. Got a marketing question or topic you'd like us to cover? Drop it in the comments below. Especially if you have someone that you'd love to see on the show, please let us know. And as always, thanks for being a part of our community. Keep innovating, marketing, and growing, and we'll see you in the next episode.